Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Armchair Survivalist. My name is Kurt Wilson. I'm the Armchair Survivalist, and today is January the 26th in the year 2020. Welcome to the show. You can go to armchairsurvivalist.com, and you will see there how to listen to my show. I have all kinds of different ways to do it. You scroll down and you'll see the, what is it, 20 or 25 different podcast venues from everything from iHeartRadio to Google Play and Apple Play and all that stuff. Uh, Global Star 3 Satellite, uh, you can see the live link there. You go to my chat room, you can listen in that page. And you can also, if you like, ask people questions, talk to people, you know, uh, if you miss the show. You can, uh, on the left-hand side of any of the armchairsurvivalist.com websites, pages, you can see the little white nipper dog listening to the RCA Victor Gramophone. You go click on that, and that'll give you uh, all of the shows for that current year. So you can download them or listen to them uh, right directly from there. Now, I want to let all of you know who have been downloading the shows. The end of this month, I'm deleting all the shows from last year. So I tell you now, so you pay attention, you can get those shows down. You copy them down or or whatever you're going to do with them. Because at the end of this month, I delete everything from 2019. I'm also on YouTube. I'm also uh, at, um, where is it? It's archive.org, which is the Wayback Machine. Now, where else am I? Oh, I'm all over the place. You'll find me. Don't worry about it. Uh, some information about the company. We have a sale on... Uh, actually, we're closing out some stuff. And just uh, for you guys to know, we, we're closing out our food tablets. We're not going to carry them anymore. We have 40 bottles of them left. Each bottle is a week's supply of, of, of compressed food tablets, and you chew them up, right? And that, okay, so i got 40 bottles left. Anybody interested in them, call me up. I'll make you a hell of a deal. We're also distributors for cold steel uh, weaponry, cold steel knives. We have the cold steel knives, a bunch of those, and we also have cold steel katana. Very hard to come by. This is a battle ready when the zombie comes, you know, that, that kind of thing. Uh, it's a real sword. It's not a pretend. And we also have the uh, cold steel walking sticks and canes. Uh, these are, uh, they're not the ones with the swords in the handle. Don't think that. No, these things are like, uh, let's see, close cell polypropylene. Uh, 11 layers of fiberglass, uh, aluminum, filled aluminum canes. These things are they're great canes and walking sticks. They also double as a weapon. You can beat a car to death with one of these canes, and you wouldn't put a scratch on the, on the cane. So we have those, but we're not, we don't mail those out. Those are, they're not on our website. They're not at uh, se1.us, survivalenterprises.com. They're just here in the store. They're too hard to mail, too expensive to, to ship out. All right, as you know, I do different categories, uh, economy, health and food, Islam, the liberal psychosis, etc. Today we're going directly into the health uh, category. In 2017, the International Weekly Journal of Science released an article bragging about the Chinese lab that's poised to study world's most dangerous pathogens. Now, this is 22nd of February, 2017. Guess where this biochemical laboratory, biocontainment laboratory is going to be Wuhan, China. I'm sure if uh, you've in any way, shape, or form paid attention to what the hell is going on right now, you know that there's a virus that came out of Wuhan, China. They're now calling it the WARS virus, not the SARS virus, but the WARS. It come out of China. I'm the, the, Everything's happening so fast with this. I'm... I'm uh, caught up with it, and I'm well past what the mainstream media is telling you as well. I have the the uh, timeline 
of this 19, uh, 2019 and 2020 Wuhan uh, coronavirus outbreak. It's not what you think. We are lied to by our government, like most countries are. As a matter of fact, all countries lie to their citizens because, first off, we don't need to hear anything. We don't want to hear anything. And if we did, we'd probably get all upset and, and overthrow the government. So the government basically treats us like mushrooms. They keep us in the dark and feed us crap. So we're going to start off December 2019. There was a urgent notice on the treatment of pneumonia of unknown cause. It was issued by the medical administration in outside of Wuhan. 27 people came down with this pneumonia. They had no idea what was uh, causing it, but everybody that got it were stall holders from the Hunan Seafood Wholesale Market. All right, so then we go to the 1st and 3rd January 2020. They discovered that that seafood market is the source, as they're claiming, of this disease. And it the uh, Chinese government started freaked out, basically, and said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to start uh, screening passengers. Uh, Thailand started screening passengers uh, arriving from Wuhan. The 5th and 6th of January 2020, they're uh, investigating this this uh, strange virus that nobody knows what it is. It's not MERS or SARS or bird flu or, or even the seasonal flu. It's, it's something totally different. Uh, let's see. And everybody's meeting in local cities in China, wondering what they should do, if they should close the doors and gates and everything. 9th of January, World Health Organization confirmed that it was a novel coronavirus. And it was uh, this, this virus was isolated from one of the people who was hospitalized. On the same day, the European Center for Disease Prevention and Control per- posted its first risk assessment. So they're starting to get freaked out. 10th of January, the gene sequence data of the isolated Wuhan coronavirus is from the same family as SARS. And SARS was thought to be a biological experiment, uh, bio-warfare experiment. Anyway, 11th and 12th of January, over 700 contacts of the 41 confirmed cases, including 400 healthcare workers, are being monitored. 13th of January, the uh, Centers for Disease Control uh, states that Thailand Thailand witnessed the first confirmed case of 2019 virus, of, of, of that virus that they discovered in 2019. The first outside of China. All right, so we don't need to go through all of this. Now, if you go to armchairsurvivalist.com, on the left-hand side, you'll see links, and one of them is going to be show notes. And if you go up to show notes and click on the date of the show, of any show that you want, then you can, uh, you'll can you understand what's going on. Uh, now, because I'll, I'll have the links posted there. This is not a lightweight thing. This is not like, oh, yeah, I think it's bogus, blah, blah, blah. Most of you uh, have never heard of Hal, Hal, uh, Hal Turner. Uh, I knew him, and uh, I also advertised on his uh, radio show, HalTurnerRadioShow.com. You, you go to his website, and you're going to think, oh, this guy's so full of crap, it's ridiculous. And uh, you're gonna, you, you think he's just a blowhard. Well, maybe he is, but I can tell you this. Uh, he's a very well-trained blowhard, and he has very... Um, how do I put this? 
He has low friends in high places, and they tell him things, and he posts them on his website, and lo and behold, it pops up as true within three or four days. This virus that's that's uh, happening in China, there are over, there are almost sixty million people that are quarantined right now inside China. Cities in China, almost every uh, there's thirty one precepts or principalities in China, 29 of them have uh, reports of this virus breaking out. It depends, and it all depends on your immune system. Now, how it's going to affect you. Now, during the Spanish flu in the early 1900, there was a saying, you have breakfast with your family and you have dinner with your ancestors. That's how fast this thing hit and, and took you down. It um, it does and then it doesn't. It just, again, depends on your immune system and, and, and if you're compromised. If you have any other medical problems, then you're, uh, you have a high percentage possibility of dying from it. There's over 2.8 million people in China right now that are known as infected. There's over 100,000 dead. You're not going to find this anywhere in the mainstream media. I have, I have back, uh, I have somebody who goes onto the dark web and does research on on the different things, and they have discovered that most of this. They research Twitter. They research uh, things that are that are breaking loose in social media, and then when you put two and two together, you start freaking out. This we're not sure. This could just be coincidental, but every person who has this disease so far, and almost every nation on earth has popped up with somebody from from China or who has visited China who has the disease. There, let's see, there's 23 cities right now in China that are totally locked down. I mean, they bulldoze dirt over the road so nobody can, can get out. They want nobody out to spread the disease. There are armored vehicles, armored personnel carriers, light tanks set up all around most cities. Wuhan, the people in there are, there's no food. They're not allowing them out. The hospitals are closed. Doctors are dying. The people are coming in and they're sitting down in a waiting room and they end up dying. Let's see, they're, let's see, in uh, Canada, where we've got Australia. They found one person in Sydney so far. Now they don't know if, if this is just a coincidence that these it happened in China, or if it's a DNA structured, a genetically structured disease that affects only the Chinese or somebody with D, a Chinese DNA in their body. Because the people that they have found so far with the disease are Chinese, even in America, Canada, uh, five people in Quebec. They just came back from China. Now, here's the bad thing, is that the Chinese Lunar New Year starts, I think, tonight or or, or yesterday. I'm not sure. But this is uh, Beijing just canceled all New Year festivities. And this is a big thing. It goes to February. So they, uh, they're warning Chinese worldwide. Colombia, uh, they've got a case there in the UK. They found uh, five people so far. And they're checking 14 others. India uh, has uh, 
Cases in India, two in Mumbai, one in Kochi, Italy. Uh, Japan confirmed a second case. Malaysia, see, in Mexico, in Nepal, in Northern Ireland, in the Philippines, Saudi Arabia. Five people have died in Saudi Arabia so far. See, Saudi Arabia uses slaves. Uh, they're Muslims, so that's what they do. They use slaves, and they get their slaves from Malaysia. Well, they five people so far. Now, this is as of yesterday. So, we don't know what's going on now. There's There are so many cases all over China, South Korea, Los Angeles, in areas where the Chinese come and go. And we're talking Seattle, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, Miami. That's where they're finding these people. That's where they're finding infected people. There's uh, there's a lot more data. I'm on his website and I'm looking up this stuff and I'm looking at the updates and the updates and the updates and the updates and the updates. They've got, like I said, there's there's almost 60 million people that are being quarantined right now in China. Uh, yesterday, they had an order that if you did not have a mask on in China, this is a, a N95 mask, a particulate mask, then they instantly arrest you. There's been some Twitter feed uh, come out that there it's not arrest you, they shoot you. And there's obviously there's no verification on that. I, I want to read you. I want to read you from a Twitter uh, post that I got. And this is on the 22nd. I'm a Chinese. I'm Chinese from Wuhan. No one can leave the city. Uh, no one can leave the city, enter the city. Total cases here is 170 dead or five, over 5,000 infected. We cannot allow others to enter the city. The army is guarding all exit entry points. I've seen soldiers in full hazmat suits from my second floor apartment. They're spraying some fluid on the streets using water cannons and large trucks. Uh, let's see. Two scientists have been put under house arrest. The virus is not what the West thinks. It is much more dangerous because it mutates from person to person. And that's one of the problems here. This is not a, this is not a, uh, a bioweapon that was designed to affect just X amount of people. This bioweapon was designed with artificial intelligence. So it's, it is, uh, it's spreading and it also is, Mutating. Yeah, let's see what else can I get out of here. Now it says, do you have some somewhere stocked with supplies where you can shelter in place for a few weeks or mo- even months? The problem is they don't know what the incubation period is. It could be four days. It could be two weeks. And what happened was, some somebody flew flew from China, landed in Seattle. There were uh, two hundred eighty-seven people on the flight. They found 40 of them so far. So this guy that's infected, he was on the flight. It's a closed air circulation system on board airplanes. How many people aboard that plane are now carriers? You've all seen the science fiction movies, especially the one called Epidemic. Things can happen. You, I have said so many times, you have to keep yourself as healthy as possible. Those of you who have secondary and tertiary medical problems like diabetes or uh, any other diseases, you're at higher risk than people who are just, you know, normal, so to speak. Now, there's there's a lot of conjecture here, and I wanted to cover some of this with you. 
there is uh, there were patents granted, and people have heard this. There were patents granted to uh, to various people, uh, like Bill Gates, uh, on this disease. Let me tell you how this works. There are there's an institute, and there's more than just one, but this institute is called Purebright, the Pure Purebright Institute, and what they do is they create diseases there. They create bacteria, they create viruses, they create these de- diseases, and then they create the antidotes to the disease or the vaccinations to these diseases. It's like they create this stuff out of the blue, we think, and then they create the uh, what they can do to save people's lives. And now this is a, a money-making thing. You know, they create a problem and then they create a solution, and they're the only ones with the solution. And I've done research on this Peerbright Institute. Uh, this is bigger than just a country. This institute is funded by George Soros and everybody else that you can imagine that is that you would consider evil. And these people have all of these different diseases that keep showing up in the world. And that they're, they're going to come out with a vaccine. You, you watch. You, you mark my words. They're going to come out with a vaccine. Somebody magically is going to have a vaccine very soon. Very soon. I don't know. It, it, it's, a, it's scary. Uh, let's see. Right now, the United States is evacuating all of the, of the uh, American personnel from Wuhan and other cities. All the roads in all of the cities that are being locked down, we're not being told this. We're not being told anything of this. We're having to guess about it. Now, what what I have said for many years is stock up on food. Because we don't know what the incubation period is. If you're in a city and you hear that there is a suspect, a person who is suspected to be infected, that means he's been walking around infecting other people who are now carriers for anywhere from four days to two weeks or even longer. So you need to have you need to have food, you need to have water, you need to have whatever you need so that you can just stay in your house for a couple weeks. Just call in sick. Say call in pregnant, I don't care. But the idea is you need to protect yourself. And those of you who don't have any food, you know, don't go crazy. But uh, wherever you are, you know, you, you, there's there's a Walmart has long term storage foods. You can go there. You don't just buy long term storage foods. You just buy. You can buy canned foods. You can buy jarred foods. Uh, things that that uh, can store for for a year or more. You better have yourself set because once it hits, it's not going to be slow. This has happened so fast. It's been less than thirty days. Less than 30 days when they had the first person who was sick to where China is now 95% of China is being locked down because of this disease. Now, here's something else to consider. They're not exporting anything. Anything, people are not, uh, ship masters are not putting, allowing anything to be put on ships. <clears throat> There's nothing coming in here from China right now, except what is already on the water. 
anything you think you're going to need that's from China, you better get right now because this is going to hit the economy hard. I guarantee you, Monday, the stock market's going to crash. Now, I don't know if the plunge protection team is going to be working uh, full scale to put that back together. But I, I wouldn't chance it. I'm 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 going to be uh, I'm going to be doing everything I can to modify the the effects that's going to happen on us. I, I'm a hundred miles south of the Canadian border. There's not a lot of Chinese up here. There's there's not a lot of people who went to China and come back here because you know the, well but the Spokane Airport's only forty five miles from me. So who knows? It can happen. I would, if I were you, I'd do my best to pay attention to what's happening in the news. Go to HalTurnerRadioShow.com, uh, see what he has to say, and and uh, just you know another thing you can do because there is a blackout on this. Many countries don't have the same blackouts that the United States and China does. If you go to World-Newspapers.com. That's world-newspapers.com. You can find a newspaper from any city, any country on earth. And you can read directly what they're saying. Now, that you can find out what the Chinese Communist Party is saying. That In China, uh, the Communist Party has their own newspaper there. And it's, all, it's, it's printed in English, by the way, on this website, world-newspapers.com. And you can find out what they're saying. And you... You know, look at a map, find a country, go look at there and see what they're saying. Because the thing is, is you don't know what's happening a block from you, much less 10,000 miles. So it's best to get the the news from the horse's mouth. God, I hate to think I'm the, considered someone's horse's mouth. Okay, now if you go to armchairsurvivalist.com, there's a chat room there. I am going to be posting during the next week any new data that I get in the chat room. You can go there and you can read it. I'll have the links there. You can go find out yourself if you if you don't know where to go and look. But meanwhile, we, we've got to get on with the show. All right, in intelligence gathering, you, do, you generally don't get all your information from one source, uh, unless you're Adam Schiff. But you, you, you get it for a little bit from over here and you get a little bit from over here and you get some from over there and you get some other from over here and you put it all together and you figure out what the reality is and what the truth is. Now, here's a piece of information for you guys. Now, we're under the category of Islam. Experts are researching causes of wildfires in the United States, and what they're finding out, the number of human-caused wildfires, wildfires has increased uh, in recent decades, and it's a, created a shift in what is considered normal. Normal used to be lightning, uh, you know, that kind of starting wildfires. Now it's the majority of wildfires in the United States are being caused by humans. You look at Australia. Those fires are not natural. Australia is still on fire and will be until its winter hits. And their fires, the majority, are caused by Muslims. And they're discovering this, but they're trying to keep it as quiet as possible. But what they're finding in the United States is that more uh, the majority of the fires caused are being caused by humans. Coincidentally, the Muslims, ISIS, and the rest of the psychotic uh, Muslims are 
encouraged to set wildfires in Europe and the United States. I have the article right here where they were talking about it and saying, hey, yeah, yeah, go out and you want to screw with these people? Start a fire. It's not hard. It really isn't hard. And I could tell you how to do that, but I don't want to. And it's not as simple as just toss a match. You actually have to work at it. Well, let's see. The uh, Sweden, and we know this, Sweden's gone. It's now it's now a little Mogadishu. It's not so little, actually. And they are having, and we talked about the, the explosives, the bombing. They are having more and more massive explosions in Sweden. Stockholm. Uh a building blew up. 50 residents were evacuated because of the blast. They have had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of explosions in Sweden. See, Muslims like fire, knives, machetes, swords, vehicles they can run into you, and explosives. This is what they're like. As a matter of fact, in the UK... <laughs> The UK has had an unprecedented increase in knife crime. Knife crime. Okay, so how much is this? What does that mean? So let's see. Year to year, September. From September of 2018 to September of 2019. 45,000 knife crimes. Over 600 murders. Now, and it's not just because they're gun-free. It's because Muslims like sharp-edged weapons. An intelligence report leaked out from the French intelligence that there are now 150 no-go zones in France. These are neighborhoods that are held by by what they call radical Islamists. In other words, Muslims. There's no such thing as a radical Islamist. It's a Muslim, period. They use these words to to, um, try and create the concept that there's a division amongst the Muslims, that some are radical and some aren't. And some are Islamists, and some are just plain, soft and huggy Muslims. But there are 150 no-go zones in France right now that no French, no white person... In fact, for that matter, no black man can walk in unless he's Muslim. All right, now we're going to go into the liberal psychosis, and this is all about the party of racism, intolerance, anger, hate, and fear. Those of you in New Jersey, every school there now is going to be taught sexual perversion. Every single one. So all the good teachers there who are members of the NEA are going to be learning how to teach people. And I can't even explain this to you over the air because it's not acceptable talk. To me, it's not acceptable. But they're going to teach, starting at the age of six, going through high school, is that sexual perversion is the norm. And by the way, here's how you do it. There's this um, transvestite. The transvestite, they, they, they call, the, call them transgender now. But in real life, transvestite is some guy that thinks he's a female. So this guy has decided that he's a female. 
So he is uh, growing his long hair, and, and uh, he's a MMA fighter now, mixed martial arts. And he's already fractured the skulls of two females that he's had to fight. And one of them says she has never come across anyone so strong in her life in fighting this. This is going to keep going. The, the perverted, psychotic liberals out there worldwide are going to keep doing this. They're trying to destroy the concept that there is a separation between men and women. I mean, not just equal rights. Now they're trying to say that it's genetic. There is no, there is no difference between men and women. If you, if you want to be recognized as a woman, just tell people. And that's what they're doing. I don't see. There was a there's a there was a um, soccer team in the United States that refused to to uh, have a, a match against another soccer team from England because two of the players on the English team were quote unquote transgender. In other words, they were boys that were pr- pretending they were females. Now let's see the the uh, is this the Washington Post. Oh, no, this is the Denver Post. The Denver Post, you know, Colorado, uh, one of the most psychotic liberal states. Uh, he got fired. This guy is a communist. I'm sorry. <laughs> He's a columnist. <laughs> he made the mistake uh, of saying that there's only uh, two sexes. So uh, he ended up getting fired. And he's been in the newspaper for, in this newspaper, in the Denver uh, Post, for decades. So he got fired because he made the mistake of saying, there's only two sexes. Uh, let's see. Where is this? Oh, Miami Herald laid off. They have to lay off over 70 people because uh, they're going down the tubes too. Have, have you noticed the, the uh, coincidence that these liberal newspapers are going down the tubes faster than the other newspapers are? They're, uh, between you and me, they're all going to go down the tubes eventually. Well, let me tell you, I got a letter. Now, I'm a member of the Communist Party and a member of the uh, <laughs> Daily Kos, which is a communist. Uh, this is where the, the, the Democrats get their talking points from the Daily Kos. It's a communist organization, communist group, and they put out all these talking points that the Democrats pick up instantly. Uh, I'm a member of the NEA. I'm a member of of uh, the Department of Homeland Security. I'm a member of the CDC. I'm a member of all kinds of places that they don't know that I'm a member of. So I get this email. You're going to love this. Fox News finished 2019 with its highest ratings in its 23-year history. Meanwhile, Business Insider is reporting that 7,800 jobs were lost in the media industry in 2019. This includes almost every corner of the media industry from small-town newspapers to bigger online publications like BuzzFeed and Huffington Post. Fox News is booming. Now understand, this is from a communist group. (laughs) While other media is shriveling up, this is hugely important as the impeachment trial is in the Senate now. It means there are less and less journalists reporting the facts and that more and more people are getting their understanding of Trump's impeachment trial directly from his right-wing propaganda machine, Fox News. If Fox News is the primary media source that politicians have to answer to, then we are in serious trouble, not only during the impeachment trial, but in all legislative and electoral fights. No one expect, no one expects Fox News reporting to change when it comes to the trial to convict and remove Trump from office. 
During the impeachment hearings in the House, other media channels gave their viewers facts about the witnesses, while Fox News simply echoed Trump's tweets, bashing the witnesses as never-Trumpers. Fox News is a direct pipeline of Trump's misleading disinformation. Even as new evidence emerged from Lev Parnas connecting Trump and his personal lawyer, uh, Fox News' Laura Ingram dismissed the evidence as ridiculous. Senators like like Lindsey Graham and Ted Cruz have been paraded out on Fox News hundreds of times, often giving credence to the latest conspiracy theory that Sean Hannity is peddling or ignoring the facts behind whatever lies Tucker Carlson is pushing that day. We cannot rely on Fox News for fair and factual-based reporting during Trump's impeachment trial. We need to break through the propaganda. Unfortunately, that's becoming harder as Fox News booms and other media outlets suffer thousands of layoffs. And then within 30 minutes, I got another email. Kurt, another progressive giant is shut down. Credo Action, which for over a decade was one of the largest and fiercest organizations of the digital grassroots world, ceased operations. Only four months earlier, Think Progress, long seen as one of the largest progressive news sites, now you understand the term progressive means communist, on the internet also shut down. It isn't just overtly progressive activist organizations and media outlets that are struggling. Now you understand what he said. It's not just overtly. This means the ones that everyone knows is a communist organization. Many large mainstream, but still clearly off-center, digital operations went through layoffs in 2019, including Vox, Vice, Huffington Post, and BuzzFeed. Smaller operations like Rewire, First Look, Pride, and Out. All right, I don't want to read any more of this crap. But that gives you an idea. They're scared. They are scared that... And never mind the Fox News, because we all know Fox News has been bought out also. But if you're not totally all the way with the needle pegging the left, then uh, you're the enemy of every Democrat out there. And they're begging. They're afraid. I'm so happy about that. I really am. (laughs) Okay, let's see. Oakland City Council. Now, we uh, we have customers here at Survival Enterprises from all over the United States almost every city, and we're willing to talk to you on the phone. So I have, I, have, uh, I have landlords calling me about certain things, and they say, yeah, I, I agree with you. I heard you say this on the air, and blah, blah, blah. Oakland City Council, and by the way, if you're, gonna, if you're a landlord and you're going to rent an apartment or a house to somebody, you're gonna, you need to do a background check, right? So the background check, <clears throat> you can do a simple one, which is a... Which is a, uh, uh, a economic background check, right? To see how the guy pays his bills, you know, his credit rating and, and that kind of thing. There's also a criminal background check that if you're halfway intelligent, you're going to want to do also. Oakland City Council banned tenant criminal background checks. Do you know Oakland? Oakland is the inner city. Oakland is the source of crime for the whole Bay Area, pretty much. And now the Oakland City Council bans tenant criminal background checks because people weren't getting... And this is, this is by the way, this is the Oakland City Council's way to handle the homeless population. Because people are homeless because, they're, well, it's, they're criminal. And landlords are all white. So it's a racist thing. So we're going we're gonna to vote this racist thing down so that the white landlords can no longer do criminal background checks. 
And you don't need to call up the police to do a criminal background check. There are many places online that you can do it. Yeah, let's see how that goes. You know, I keep my notes for years. I have notes. I think I started in 2008, keeping my notes. I think. It might have been a little bit earlier. I don't remember. I was on GCN at the time. And I like going back and looking. And and these are all digitized so that I can search them. And I go back and I look at, at, at these new things that pop up and I can see where I reported on the, the start of it 10 years ago. Seattle. We all, let's see. Let's see, what, what could come out of a, a city that that's mayor is a uh, lesbian, the chief of police and the fire chief are both communistic females. What could come out of there? Oh, here's what. They're now going to, the residents are now going to be able to vote via their smone, their phone, their smone, smartphone. Now, what, what, what could go wrong with that? <laughs> yep, so you're going to be able to vote in Seattle using your phone. And there's uh, the article, you go and read the article, and it's going to tell you so many reasons why that's not good. Oh, remember when all of the uh, patriots in Virginia showed up, some with guns, some without, and just had a nice day, very calm, nobody got upset, only a few agitators got arrested uh, in Virginia because the the, uh, Democrats took over the control politically of the state of Virginia, and these are communistic, anti-gun, anti-American creeps. So everybody showed up there to impress upon them that there's more of us than there is of them. And the Democrats said, yeah, thanks. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. See you. You know, don't let the door hit you in the butt on the way out. And as soon as everybody left, they start passing their laws. So two days after the Second Amendment rally, they passed a red flag law. What is a red flag law? Anybody who thinks you're a danger, a possible danger to someone else or to yourself can go before a judge there and get an order to confiscate your firearms. This is what they passed. By the way, West Virginia has uh, offered to to uh, bring every every county in Virginia that wishes to into their fold. So the state, the state of West Virginia can now expand and take over 95% of Virginia if, if uh, everybody in those counties. Because you have these Second Amendment counties who are sanctuary counties. They're Second Amendment sanctuary counties, and they want them, West Virginia wants them to legally secede and be admitted to the body politic of the state of West Virginia. Let's see where that goes. And because everybody's really getting pissed off at the government, uh, governor and, and uh, all the rest of the communists in, in Virginia, they're putting a bill out to make it illegal to make it illegal to uh, complain about the government. <laughs> if you don't like what they're saying about you, make it illegal for them to talk. Now, that's smart. I, it, it takes a communist to figure that one out, doesn't it? That's one of the things that we're finding out in China right now. Anybody who posts any information about what's going on with the disease that's happening and the virus, if they're caught, 
they're killed. By the way, I just got another article that just came in. Uh, there are people who have shown up at the hospital. They show up at, at a, a hospital. Hospitals are locked down. They're not letting anybody new in. You show up at a hospital. The army is there, and they take you and put you in a truck and drive you away. And then they, nobody sees you again. That's happening to the thousands. So those of you who are in China, and if any of you want to listen to me or are listening to me, don't go to the hospital. Uh, it's not going to help you in any way, shape, or form. Now we're going into the category of Trump. Here's an article by Zero Hedge. Russia, Russiagate spy paid $1 million by Obama was Washington Post deep throat. Stephen Halper, this guy worked for the CIA and the FBI, and he conduct, uh, conducted espionage on the 2016 Trump campaign, and he was feeding information to Washington Post reporter David Ignatius. So this guy, this is a, this is the this is an example. This is a perfect example of how the deep state wants Trump gone from day one, because they they sicked this guy onto the campaign of Trump before he was even elected. They were looking for dirt on him from the beginning. The deep state has never. The deep state is all intelligence agencies, and I went over that. And I, you, I've talked about it. You have the data. It's 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 on my website. You can go read the different uh, the seventeen different diff, deep state intelligence agencies, and then they got hundreds of of uh, categories below them. This is one of the guys that the communists that are attacking Trump right now in the Senate used. And he was paid over a million dollars by the Obama administration. See, the Obama nation knew that Trump was up and coming. They had something, and the, they knew. In, in the wind, they could tell that this Trump the guy is probably going to be taking over. So they wanted to try and get dirt on him from the beginning, and the Obama nation knew all about that. So this guy, and, and there's an article on it, and you can read about it. It's very interesting. You know, the thing I, the thing that gets me is about most of these articles. It takes about 15 minutes to lead up to the punchline. And that's what, uh, that just takes, it's just too long for that. We're going to go, now, by the way, I'm watching the Senate hearing this week on the impeachment, the Senate trial, they call it, uh, for, for the impeachment for Trump. And I'm watching each one of these so-called managers, the House managers. They, they get up and they're, this is just like a, a legal case. You have the prosecution get up and they, they state their case and they tell the jury what they're going to do and how they're going to prove it. Well, the jury is the Senate. So all of these senators are supposed to sit there doing nothing. And they're not allowed to have their, their uh, phones with them. They're not allowed to watch TV. Uh, they're, they're, uh, there's a lot of things that you can't do. Now, now here's, an, here's a funny aside. Schumer got... Everybody's watching all of these people, right? There's cameras on everybody. Schumer went to the bathroom. As he comes back, he looks at his empty chair and tells something in his chair to get out of there. And then he turns around and sits down. Now, I did an article a couple of years ago about there is a doctor on staff for the Congress and the Senate. And his job is to make sure that all of the senators and congressmen 
get the drugs that they're prescribed. In fact, he is a doctor, so he can prescribe drugs for them for whatever problems they have. And they use him because he's 100% secure and does not tell anybody anything. So we literally don't know what these senators and congressmen, what drugs are taking. I mean, Schumer could be on 16 different psychotropics and we wouldn't know. But I thought that was kind of strange. Anyway, so I listened to him and uh, Adam Schiff is one of the, uh, you know, that big pile of Schiff. He is uh, one of the managers and you can tell when this guy is lying, his eyes bug out. I mean, he looks like a guppy. It's it's ridiculous. I'm listening to him, and I'm I'm like, good lord! This guy, every word out of his mouth is a lie. There's uh, seven of these these managers, and and it's I think what the house did was say, all right, on a scale of one to ten, how many of you hate Trump? Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. All right, how many of you are willing to compromise reality and truth? How many of you can lie really well? Ah, so they got, well, only got seven of them. Okay. Adam Schiff, and then Jerry the Nadler, Zoe Lofgren, Hakeem Jeffries, Val Demings, Jason Crow, Sylvia Garcia. I watched them. Now, they were given, the, the, the communists were given 24 hours. You, you guys can take three days and 24 hours and tell us why Trump needs to be impeached. What they did in that 21 hours, they took 21. They didn't do the whole 24. What they did was basically say, he did what every president has done. He did what every president has the right to do. And we just don't like him. So today was, or yesterday was, Trump's lawyer's turn to make a defense. They talked for a little under two hours. And they basically said the same thing. They said, well, you know, the um, all the data and all the videos and everything that was leaked didn't show the truth. So they showed parts of the interviews that were videoed. They showed parts of different uh, reports. And, these, and they said, these here, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. That proves they were lying. They don't use the word lie, uh, of course. That's, that's not politically correct. So they basically just said, okay, we just proved the Democrats spent 21 hours lying. We'll see you next week. And that was it. I thought that was kind of cool. So they were nice. They said, look, we, we know you want a weekend. And some of you... Uh, Democrats out there, you senators, you're you're uh, you got to go out and to meet your public, and you got to go promote yourself because you can't do that while you're sitting here in the Senate listening to all of this stuff. I thought it was kind of nice. That was that was nice. Now I get new listeners every 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 show. I get new listeners, and I get questions. I have people actually come in the store and say, "Yeah, I heard you for the first time uh, on Pandora Radio." And they come in and say, look, I, I'm worried about what's going on. Is there? How can I store food? Where do I go? What do I do? So I'm going to talk just a little bit about this. If you go to armchairsurvivalist.com, on the left-hand side, below the nipper dog listening to the RCA Victor, 
you'll see a little little link there that says, people have asked me, what do I store? Where do I start? And there's a link there that says, Food Storage 101. Food for thought and your survival. You click on that. This is a very simple aspect. You shop using your local food ads for food that you normally eat. It's, it's, it's a real simple thing. Like here every Wednesday and Saturday, or I'm sorry, Sunday, the food ads come out. And I get them. I look through them. Sometimes I find stuff I want to buy. Sometimes I don't. And then you don't. You buy a, you buy a bunch. Like like say tuna. Okay, tuna comes out. Maybe it's on sale for fifty nine cents a can. So instead of buying one can or two cans, I'll buy a dozen. Peanut butter, anywhere from a dollar to a dollar fifty a pound. I'll buy a couple dozen uh, jars of that. So you, you see what I mean? You buy the stuff you normally eat or, or you don't have a problem eating. Like you can buy uh, canned beans. You can buy chili. And I, and I mean things in canned fruits. You buy these things in cans. Now, there's, there's uh, like mac and cheese, right? Mac and cheese comes in little cardboard boxes. Those are not made for stories. Those are made for immediate use. So they're going to go bad after a short time. So you don't want to go stock up on that stuff. I don't know how many hundreds of dollars of that kind of stuff I threw out over the years. So you you do some stocking up. You don't need to go crazy with this. And people say all the time, well, I don't make a lot of money. You don't need to make a lot of money, but you need to start. The longest, the longest trip starts with one step. So you... Spend $5. Spend $10. Understand this is not a hobby. Your life is at stake. And your families. If you have to be locked into a, a place, if you have to stay home for a month, if you have to stay home for two weeks, you want to have some food there. So you stock up. You know, you, you watch the ads. You, you figure out what's going to be uh, on sale. Or if you don't care if it's on sale or not, just go to this, whatever your local store is and buy the stuff that you think you can store. Now, don't don't read the expiration dates on these cans because they're bogus. They have expiration dates. They have best buy dates, best used dates. The best, if, best if buy dates and best if used buy dates are 100% marketing. 100%. They have no, no fact in reality whatsoever. None. Expiration date is not a scientific figure. It's an estimate. It's a guess. And they're basically what they're saying is, well, this can of of uh, SpaghettiOs is going to start tasting funny after about uh, three years. They don't know that. They've never tested it. They're just using mathematics to try and figure something out. A can is good until it's not. You look at cans. Is it leaking? And it'll leak along the seam on the side, going up up and down. It'll leak on the seam of the lids, top and bottom. Or the lids will poof out. Instead of the lid being flat, it'll, like a little bubble, is push, pushing it up. At that point, that can is toxic. Do not do not say to yourself, hey, I wonder if this is still good, and open it. You'll probably kill yourself. So you throw that away. Keep your stored food in as cool a spot as you can. 
not the garage, not the attic. Basement's optimum. Keep your stored food where it's no humidity or low humidity. Or have a dehumidifier running down there to pull out the, the moisture from the air. Well, what does tin do when it gets wet? It, it rusts. So you just check your cans. Make sure that they're going to be okay. You you um, don't buy dented cans whatsoever. Now, I used to work for American Can. And what I learned, cans, all cans, have a, a shellac on the inside of them. It's a shellac or it's a seal or it's a... It's a uh, I don't remember. There's different words for it. There's, there is a treatment on the inside of all cans to keep the tin of the can from interacting with the food, which could cause botulism. When that can is dented, that, sh- that cover, that shellac, can chip, can break, and then the food can start rotting. Now, if you're going to buy dented cans, make sure they're dented and, the, and they, ha- they have only been dented for like a week or so. There used to be a store here in Coeur d'Alene uh, that bought all of the train wrecks, all the derailments. And there's quite a bit of them. If you if you look at the uh, if you look at the government's uh, website, you'll find out how many there are. But th- this company used to buy all of the derailments of all the store of all, all the food, and they put them in there, and it was all mostly dented. But I can tell you this: me and a friend did the Rubicon Trail years ago, long years ago. And we stayed in a in a cabin that we found up there in the mountains uh, overnight. And we found in the area that you would consider the kitchen a can of peaches and a can of beans. Well, I got the beans and he got the, the peaches. And those cans, I took them with us. And those cans were 40 years old at the time. Okay, so, yeah. So you can, you know, just be careful of what it is and use some common sense. If the can starts like it's acting like it's inflated, get rid of it. Don't even think about it. Now, there's also other things that you can buy. Um, if you go to, well, I was at Walmart. I was at Walmart. I was at Albertsons. I was at Super One. I was at Fred Meyers. And they all have a little area of what they would call bulk foods. Like... Uh, a number 10 can of tomato soup or number 10 number 10 cans these are like a gallon cans okay that's about what they are and they would also have different uh, soups and they would have beans and they do not buy any canned flour because it doesn't store more than a year or so and then it starts going bad but you can find dried uh, beans peas corn soup mixes there's all kinds of stuff that you can find in these number 10 cans. And all you, most of them, you just need to add water to it. And some of them are full. Like, like, like I bought a number 10 can. I was at a yard sale, and this guy had a case of, of uh, this one Sears just closed here, right? And Sears used to have a little air, eating area there. And this was, was uh, sausage gravy. These are number 10 cans of sausage gravy. And I paid a dollar a piece of those cans. You bet I bought it. <laughs> and those are the kind of things you take down in your basement and you stick down there and and uh, you you wait for a few years and, and hope they're still good. I mean, who cares? A dollar a piece? You know, big deal. So you can look in your store and you can look for long-term storage foods. Long-term storage foods are stuff that are in a can, that are, that are in a jar, glass jar, uh, 
you just don't get anything that's in a little cardboard box or even plastic like like uh, noodles. I bought I bought five cases of noodles, those instant noodles, and then I plastic wrapped them and vacuumed them. And I figured, well, that's going to be good enough. Well, 10 years down the road, my son was moving out, so I figured, you know what, I'll give you all the noodles to take with you because you eat that crap. So we opened one of them, and the noodles were like shoestrings. They were, you know what they are, they're solid. And you're supposed to put them in boiling water to turn them back into noodles. Oh no, these things were were sloppy as shoestrings. And the little packet with the with the uh, flavoring in it was solid as a rock. So air gets in, and air is what destroys that kind of stuff. So don't think you're going to store that kind of stuff at all. <clears throat> Here's something else to think about. You store a lot of different stuff, and some of this stuff, you, you know, you, it's not going to taste really good. If you can come across bargains on spaghetti sauce or other types of sauces, like um, there was a strike in California some years back on the docks. So the stores up here weren't getting food. I'm not kidding. You go into uh, go into Safeway and two-thirds of the shelves were empty. Well, that's because we get our food from down south. This is what these stores do. They don't they don't think ahead. It's like you, they order only when they need it. And they were so back ordered on everything it was ridiculous. Well, after the uh, after the strike, all of the back ordered food showed up here at once. So you go into Fred Meyer's and they have ten pallets of spaghetti sauce. They were blowing that stuff off for a dollar a, a can. And that's it stuff sells for $5. So, you know, just pay attention to what's going on out there. Stock up on stuff and stock up on seasonings and sauces. You know, when I was a kid, my dad used to say the French don't know how to, how to cook, but they know how to make sauce. <laughs> he spent time in France. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Now, if you want to get into some long-term storage stuff, and you might want to write this down, you go to shop.honeyville.com. Till about six years ago, we were the number two uh, long-term storage food company in, in the United States, and we closed that down because the companies all went directly to the public now. That's what the Internet does. It destroys business. Mountain... Um, Honeyville. Honeyville is the source that most of these other companies go to to buy their ingredients. So why not you go to the source? They have number 10 cans of food that have a 30 to 50 year shelf life. It totally depends on what you buy. But you can get number 10 can of, uh, and this is all dehydrated or freeze dried peas, beans, uh, diced carrots, bananas, uh, soup stock, just you name it, broccoli. There's all kinds of stuff you can buy in there. And what they do is, not only do they vacuum the, vacuum out the cans of air, they put uh, oxygen packs and moisture packs in there and then seal it up. This stuff lasts for a long time like you wouldn't believe. 
and then you can open it up, take out what you need, seal it up. You, you got to be careful because some of this stuff you have to have refrigerated, like uh, mushrooms. You get a number 10 can of mushrooms. Well, you can't just open it up, take some out, use it, put the lid on, and stick it back in the cupboard. You, you've got to refrigerate that now. Now, there's a trick to that because you're probably not going to use all of the can up at once. So after you've taken it out what you want, then you take double layer cellophane, just plastic wrap, and you put it on top of the can, and then you put the lid back on. That's like a seal, like a gasket. And then you keep that in a refrigerator or freezer. There's a lot to this. I'm just giving you the basics in it so that you can get some uh, some ideas to uh, keep yourself safe and those around you safe. Now, this is what's known as as an ingredient. Okay, like you're not going to eat. Just, well, let me have a pound of peas for dinner, please. No, you're, these are ingredients, right? So, if you want that, you can get instant meals. Now, there's many companies out there that sell these pouches and they claim that they're meals. And you add boiling water and you stir and you seal and you let it sit for a while and then it's supposed to be a a food and all that stuff. That's fine. There's a lot of them out there that are real. Uh, There's some that you should never, ever, ever, ever buy. And one of them is WISE, W-I-S-E food. It's not only fraudulently advertised, it's fraudulently manufactured. It's garbage. If you want the Cadillac, it's Mountain House. Mountain House has pouches. And literally, you tear open the top, you take out the oxygen absorber, you pour in a cup and a half or so, whatever the instruction says, of boiling water, you stir it real good, and then you close the Ziploc top and you let it sit for 15 minutes. Ignore the instructions. They'll tell you 10 minutes. 15 minutes. You want it fully done and then you open it up and you got lasagna or you got chicken and rice or you got uh scrambled eggs or you, got, you know there's all kinds of different stuff and literally the mountain house pouches will store if stored safely in other words cool as possible without a lot of jostling around 50 years we were uh, major distributors for Mountain House for many, many, many years, starting in the 70s. And I, I was contacted by Mountain House, and they asked me to send some of, their, some of my oldest stored product. They wanted to check it and see how, uh, if the, the oxygen levels had been compromised over the years or what. So I sent them a bunch of cases of my old stuff, and they replaced them with the new stuff. And they contacted me back and said, oh, we, you, we can't believe this, but that, that stuff you sent us is as good as the day that it was made. There is no oxygen in any way, shape, or form has, has uh, compromised those pouches. So the Mountain House pouches, they'll last you a long time. And those are simple. Those are, that's a meal. All right? If that's, a, that's what you, you need, then that's what you, that's what you want to get. And, and so I'm giving you ideas of where you can go to get some other stuff. You your normal stores, you go shopping, you buy the stuff you need. Now, you've got to be careful. There's Costco's out there. And like people would tell me, yeah, they got 25-pound bags of beans. I'll just go buy 10 bags of that and stick them down in their basement. No. That's a great idea. It's the best prices you're going to get. But if you just stick bags of beans or rice or flour 
in the basement somewhere or anywhere, you give it a year and those beans, will you can't even cook them. They'll become so hard because those pouches, those bags are not made for long-term storage. This is when you go and learn how to put your food in five-gallon food-grade buckets using Mylar bags and oxygen absorbers. And you can find that data on YouTube. And many of the shows that I've done has gotten deep into it. But be careful. How you package your food is is going to determine how long it's going to last. So it's 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 not just not just packaging, but you know how you store it and, and that kind of stuff. Now, there's also another thing. There's grab and go foods. This is like the wolf's at the door. I get to get the hell out of dodge. There are many different protein bars out there, food bars out there that can store for an extended period. Oh, I don't know. I go to Costco and there's these food bars that I get now and then and uh, they're in a kind of a paper pouch so they're not going to store very long. But you you know, you can, using some common sense, you can buy stuff like that and you can vacuum pack it. And then you can freeze it in case you need it at some time. Now we have, and I think I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we have these food tablets. They're uh, they're in jars, and each jar is the size of, and that's the only word I can use it. I can figure out to say what it is. It's a it's the size of a military canteen. It fits in a canteen holder. It holds 180 tablets, which is about a week supply of food for anyone. And that stuff will store 25 years plus. That kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, the food tablets, um, emergency survival tablets. There's also a survival, uh, what is this called? It's a, it's a Coast Guard bars. It's, they taste like, like, um, cardboard that's been desiccated. I mean, it's just a gack. You, you gotta be careless. Some of this stuff is way overpriced. And not what you want. Now, those bars, I and mean, you can buy them. There's, there's, there's like a vacuum-packed, luminized foil pouch that's square. And it's uh, Coast Guard Lifesavers or whatever they say, they call it. Except if you look at it, it'll tell you it's, it's only good for about three years. There's also MREs out there, meals ready to eat. You can pick those up. They're not going to be cheap. But you can find those and you can uh, you add those to your, your outfit. So there's a lot you can do. There's a lot you can't do, but there is a lot that you can do. And and uh, to back up, there's a lot you should do. And because of this, this is just one in the latest line of viruses that have escaped somehow and that they're trying to see which one can actually decimate the human race, it seems. So don't get stuck in... Uh, Believing that everything's fine and rosy, and and it's only a few people that have been affected, and and it's not, and and, and the other thing, don't ever think it's never going to be me, because it will be me, and by that I mean you. Everybody can be affected. Everybody can. So you need to pay attention. Uh, see what's out there. Do your own due diligence. Figure out how much money you want to spend. It's up to you. You know, you're you're grown adults. You figure out how much food you want to have, and you better get some. And while you're at it, make sure you got water. Make sure you have a water purification system. 
Get yourself a Dalton water filter system or a Berkey filter system. Always use the ceramic filters. Never use the black ones. There's uh, there's different things you can you can do just to keep yourself safe. By the way, fine face masks, the N95 face masks. We had pallets of these a couple years ago. None left except my own. Just find the N95 face masks. You look at what the Chinese are wearing on TV, and you can go and you can find them on eBay. But I can tell you right now, the price is double what it was yesterday. And tomorrow, it'll be double again. The hospitals are reporting in uh, in China that they are out of all masks, all hazmat suits, all safety suits, everything everything that you can think of to protect you from particulate viruses or bacteria. They're out of. Xanax too, haloperidol for you, Zoloft, Zyban, Trazodone, Antibusin, Methadone. If neuroleptics make you shake, then benztropine you must take. They profit from the drugs they sell, from the side effects as well. If you haven't figured it out yet, we got a problem in the world. And let's just look at the United States. We have we have children that are being drugged to such a degree that they wake up one morning and go, I wonder what it'll feel like to actually shoot some of my classmates. They have no empathy. They have no ability to feel what others feel because they've been drugged into such a stupor that nothing is real in their life. And we've allowed this to happen. And this is where psychiatry comes in. Uh, psychiatry is one of the most evil institutions, if not the most evil institution ever, to be turned loose into the United States. The whole intent of psychiatry is to create drones, is to create better people who can follow the rules and who can behave themselves and who basically are drugged into a position where they no longer question authority Well, unfortunately, what happens is that a lot of people, and when I say people, I'm talking about children starting at the age of two. This insanity of drugging children is, is they're they're, they're actually even wanting to uh, develop drugs to give to possible uh, genetic deficiencies in the womb. This is a disgusting and evil thing, and I can't stress the word evil enough for you guys. We see it every day. We see it when people come back from from fighting in the war and they they can't uh, reintegrate at all into the uh, public because they're on such so much drugs and they have been in Iraq and Afghanistan and and else places elsewhere uh, around the world that reality doesn't exist for them like it does for you and I. But right now, I want to talk about the children because they're the ones that are going to be in charge. Oh, hell, we can see it right now. You see the morbidly obese, pink-haired, lesbian fanatic screaming and screaming and screaming at somebody at a Trump rally for no reason, because they never did anything to to uh, deserve that kind of hatred. But this person's mind has been altered to such a degree from the drugs that they've been on 
since they were five years old. And their mother took the child to kindergarten and the teacher said, your kid has ADDH. Uh, it's, it's bad. Uh, we need to put them on a drug. It's not going to hurt them. It'll help them. It'll make them better. <sighs> so the parent wanting to uh, do what's best for the child and being ignorant of what's happening says, okay, that's fine. And goes and does that. I see it here every day in uh, in the store. A parent comes in and says, "My kid is is uh, nine years old and and and, and is antisocial and and goes into anger fits and has cramps and is losing his eyesight and it just names all kinds of different symptoms." Well, can do you have anything that I can give him to help? And the first thing I always ask is, "What drugs are you is he on? What drugs do you have your kid on?" And they'll start naming them. Like in that song that I played. It's, and that song, by the way, goes on for another two minutes. Naming all the different drugs that are given to children. And given to everyone, for that matter. This, I could do five days a week show on the evils of psychiatry and, and the destruction that it has done. But today I'm just focusing on children. So that's the problem, is that once once a child is on any of these drugs, they're called psychotropic drugs, any of these drugs, he's no longer human. So he cannot react as a normal child would to nutritional products or even medicine. Because that drug changes his endocrine system, and it changes his hormonal system. And it affects the brain. And the brain is the connective tissue between the spirit and this universe. That's your, uh, I don't know, that's the computer that the, uh, the spirit uses, the person that's inside that body uses to interact with this universe. And if the brain is short-circuiting pro- uh, and not firing on all eight cylinders, then you're going to get somebody who looks at a cow and goes, I have never seen a bat that tall. Or when somebody sees somebody die in an accident, they'll stand there and laugh gleefully because they're so not connected to what's happening around them that they will not react in a sane manner. And that's the whole key. Now, all of this stems from something called the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Now, what that is is a... uh, uh, basically a guidebook so that the psychiatrist can use to convince people that they have a disease. Now, a disease, uh, according to these creatures, is uh, is mental, not physical. Now, to normal people and to doctors, to real doctors, a disease is a pathological creature like a virus, a bacteria, a fungus, a parasite, a prion, something that actually can, can interact with the human body and cause a de- detrimental effect. Well, psychiatry is not a real science. Nothing that happens in psychiatry can be verified by the scientific method. But to to give you an idea how the DSM plays into this, the first official attempt was the 1840 census, which used a single category of idiocy or insanity. All right. So in in the census, they asked you, did you have any idiots living there or insane people living there? In 1917, a a committee on statistics from what is now known as the American Psychiatric Association, the APA, 
together with the National Commission on Mental Hygiene, developed a new guide for mental hospitals called the Statistical Manual for the Use of Institutions for the Insane. And it listed 22 different diagnoses. Okay, simple. The Army developed a new classification concept called Medical 203 that was issued in 1943. These listings were adopted by all the armed forces and were introduced into clinics and hospitals by psychiatrists returning from military duty. Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders 1 was approved in 1951 and published in 1952. It had 132 pages and listed 106 mental disorders. Now, here's the thing with these mental disorders. This organization... The American Psychiatric Association, the APA, they get together with a meet in a meeting once a year, and they vote on what is a mental disorder. Well, I think chewing your fingernails is a mental disorder. Okay, let's put that in. So you guys dream up a, a, how we can title it, so the unsuspecting morons out there will fall for it. DSM two was published in 1968. It listed 182 disorders, and was 134 pages long. DSM-3 came out in 1980, 494 pages, and listed 265 diagnostic categories. It rapidly came into widespread international use by multiple, uh, what we call stakeholders, and this would be psychiatrists, psychologists, uh, governments, military, and it was termed a revolution in psychiatry. However, Robert Spitzer, chairman who codified the DSM-3, later criticized his own work saying it led to the med- the over-medicalization of 20 to 30 percent of the population who may not have had any serious mental problems in the first place. In 94, DSM-4 was published, listing 297 disorders in 886 pages. The DSM-5 came out in 2013, nearly a thousand pages, and was created under federal legislative mandates. The psychiatry has gotten their fanged teeth into our government. Our government is mandating that the psychiatric institutions now follow DSM-5. It's totally arbitrary. It was solely printed and created under the control of Big Pharma. Did you ever experience grief after a loved one died? Did you ever have an extreme temper tantrum as a child? Have you ever had a senior moment? Well, you might be crazy. This weekend, the American Psychiatric Association will introduce its first major update in nearly 20 years, the Diagnostic Statistics Manual of Mental Disorders. And critics fear that common human problems are being classified as major mental disorders requiring medical treatment. Amongst the contentious changes is diagnosing mental decline that goes a bit beyond normal aging as mild neurocognitive disorder affected people may find it takes more effort to pay bills or manage their medications. Critics of the term say it will stigmatize quote-unquote senior moments. Dr. Alan Francis, who worked on the previous edition of the handbook, says that the new version would turn everyday anxiety, eccentricity, forgetting, and bad eating habits into mental disorders. And that's exactly, exactly the purpose of this. If you follow any kind of psychiatric hogwash that we've been hearing about, you, it, now in all schools from kindergarten up through college. 
has a resident psychiatrist or psychologist on staff. And what's their job? Their job is to listen to you and then prescribe a drug for you. And as a matter of fact, you walk into your GP, your general practitioner's office, your doctor's office, and you say, hey, uh, I got a jaw ache. This happened to me. I got a jaw ache. I can't, uh, I can't move my jaw real well. And the doctor goes, oh, I, I, I'll give you some muscle relaxants for that, and that'll help. So I look at the prescription. It's a psychotropic drug. Needless to say, I chewed his ass up one side down the other. I'm not nice about this in any way, shape, or form. This is an attempt to kill me or harm me. He learned not to do that. But there's a problem with that. I'm in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Kootenai Medical Center just built a $20 million mental health facility. And what they do there? Give out drugs. Just the more the merrier. And they want to do it. Start it when you're young. Because then they know they got you locked in for the rest of your life. This is a giant conspiracy by coincidence. First, the deep state wants you into a drone-like stage where you're ineffective. You are no longer a true human. You have to survive by the grace of the government because they're going to put you on Social Security. They're going to put you on welfare because now you can't work because you're disabled. And you guys out there who like guns, any of you are on these drugs at any time for any reason... It is now federally illegal for you to buy those guns. If you go out, if you go in and fill out a yellow sheet, the 4473, you're going to find a place there. Have you ever been adjudicated mentally defective? Or are you on habit-forming drugs? Any psychotropic drug is habit-forming. If you've gone to a psychologist, a psychiatrist, then you're automatically determined to be mentally defective. The VA is already now starting to crack down on this and turn in any of the vets that are on psychotropic drugs. People, you know, I hate to say this, but people are lazy and they'll take the path of least resistance. I had a, a guy get out of the army and uh, he, he did not have PTSD, but he was upset because he lost his job. He, he, had, he, had, he had a job he wanted to come back to. Nope, they gave it away to somebody else. Uh, his car was, was uh, repossessed. He didn't even have a place to live except in his, in his mother's basement. And he was really upset about all of this. So he goes to the VA and uh, he says, I'm really upset. I, 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 life is crapping all over me. I don't know what to do. And they said, well, we're going we're gonna to help you with that. And they put him on this drug. By being on that drug, he could barely function, which allowed him to go on full Social Security disability. So here's this guy taking this drug, which which uh, created such a, uh, an effect in his life that he's no longer, he can't even tie his own shoes. And after five years of being on this, he comes in here and says, I've had it. I can't handle it anymore. So we give him some CBD. Within a week, he's off the drugs, and he's doing just fine. There are alternatives to having your life destroyed. And there are alternatives to having your child's life destroyed. Do you know how many people come in here and say, yeah, my son's been on Prozac for 14 years? What the hell for? My first question. I am not patty cake, kissy bear, huggy poo to these people. If you are that stupid and that ignorant and willing to destroy your child's life, you better be ready because I'm coming at you with both bores. Now, I'm going through my records and i found a interview i did with a psychiatrist uh, in about nine years ago nine ten years ago 
really nice lady, Dr. Stolzer. She works with the Citizens Commission on Human Rights. I was a founding member of that organization. And they fight psychiatry. They fight all of these these, uh, ridiculous drugs and the evil that psychiatry has been pushing into the public school system now. Well, I interviewed her, and what I did was, no, I, I edited the interview, so there's a few choppy places, but you, you guys need to hear this. Uh, she's published numerous peer-reviewed articles and has presented her research at the international level. She's an advisory board member for the International Center for the Study of Psychiatry and Psychology, and she also serves as a commissioner for the Citizens Commission on Human Rights. Research interests include attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, the biocultural implications of attachment parenting, the multivariational effects of labeling children, and challenging the existing medical model which seeks to pathologize normal range child behaviors. So I would like to welcome Dr. Solzer to my radio show. Are you there? I'm here. I'm here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, go ahead in your own words and introduce yourself. Well, I am Dr. Stolzer, and I um, am a professor at the University of Nebraska at Kearney. This is my passion. This is what I do. I do research in the area of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder and the drugging of of children, and I was just so excited to be on this program to be able to talk a little bit about that, but I do have to tell you a story. I have a five-month-old German Shepherd, and I was just, when I got to my office, he's at home. He's not at the office with me. When I got to the office, I opened the DSM, which is the Bible of all mental disorders. I just looked over um, how you know if your child has attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And I'm reading directly from page 86 of the DSM-5. They fidget. They squirm. They don't remain seated when expected to. They excessively run. They have difficulty playing quietly. And they talk excessively. So my German Shepherd, I mean, he barks excessively, but he definitely, definitely, this five-month-old German Shepherd qualifies for this, as do all young mammals, because that is the nature of childhood. And what it really is is a developmental stage this fidgeting, not remaining seated when expected to, not playing quietly. We all went through this stage. Ask any grandmother on the block. She'll tell you. Now, we can drug them into submission or sedate them. There's no doubt about that. Methylphenidate works. This whole drugging of not just our children, but the whole population is... The whole population. Oh, yeah, the whole population. And you and I talked about this even. The ramifications of it are astounding, and I see it on a daily basis. The older you get, the more you can see if you are paying attention. I can see the level of competence disappearing in workers now. I can see the level of intelligence, integrity, honor, pride in accomplishments disappearing. And what's taking its its place is apathy. They're not going to say it's apathy because, well, they just don't care. It is apathy because they are in a drug-induced state of apathy. When you're drugged, you don't care. I think what most Americans don't understand about this DSM that I'm looking at right here is that every single one of these mental disorders in this book are voted on. And I have a DSM right there from 1958, I think it is. And it's about uh, a half inch thick, maybe three quarters of an inch thick. You have DSM-1. Yes, and the DSM-4 is about five inches thick. Every single one of the diseases in here are voted on. Were you aware that homosexuality was a mental disease until 1978? And then they voted it out. Yeah, that's DSM-3. Most people don't know what the DSM Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. In 1840, there was a census, and they would they asked, "Do you have any people who are idiocy or insanity or insane in your household?" That's pretty much the whole concept of mental health in 1840. In 1917, Committee on Statistics uh, from what is they now it's now known as American Psychiatric Association (APA) together with the National Commission on Mental Hygiene developed a new guide 
for mental hospitals called Statistical Manual for the Use of Institutions for the Insane. It had 22 diagnoses, mental health problems at that time. And then World War II, this is the first time psychiatry actually really got into uh, assisting in the Army was big on this. And they came out with what's known as Medical 203, and that was in 1943. This was a list of psychiatric problems which pretty much went into clinical and hospital use after World War II because the returning psychiatrists brought them with them. And then uh, DSM-1 was approved in 1951, published in 52, and you were 130 pages long. It had 106 mental disorders. DSM-2, published in 1968, had 182 disorders, and it was 134 pages long. DSM-3 came out in 1980. 1979, homosexuality was removed from it, replaced with uh, another variant of it, but not the same thing. Four 194 pages long and had 265 diagnostic categories. In 94, DSM-4 came out. 297 disorders. DSM-4, it's going to be revised in 2013. Yeah. They're changing the whole concept of mental diagnostic to, I don't know, I, I, I find it hard to understand exactly what they're talking about, but they're being able to diagnose mental problems literally, arbitrarily, and at the drop of a hat now. In my own humble opinion, they always have. We don't have any metabolic tests. We don't have any neurological tests. What we have is a checklist of behaviors. And, for example, with the ADHD test, you either, if you get six out of the nine behaviors, you have this disease. And, by the way, um, the definition of the disease changes. It used to be five out of nine, and it used to be in every, you had to see these behaviors displayed in every context. Now it's in two. So if you have these behaviors in art class and in math class, that's two contexts. The term validity and reliability. Yes, I've published extensively in that area. Validity and reliability simply means that are we testing what we purport to be testing? And when you look at this, we're not controlling for anything, like the status of the raider. We're not controlling for if they, if uh, gender of the child. We're really measuring, if you want to get right down to brass tacks, is this. How uncomfortable adults are with childhood behaviors. That's what we're really looking at. Because when you put 40 or 50 six-year-olds in a classroom with one teacher, of course the little boys in there drive you crazy. And we might as well just be blunt. This is a boy disease. 90%, I think it's 93% of all children who are diagnosed with this supposed neurological disorder are boys. Boys don't act like little girls. They never have and they never will. So we're drugging them into following female scripts talked extensively to teachers in schools in the inner city, in Alaska, in Canada, in Thailand, all through the United States, that first they complain because these kids are hyperactive. Now, that's a term that I don't agree with, and I don't think you do either. They're not hyperactive. They're active. They're and active. But look at the context. You, you expect them to sit in four walls for, you know, on the concrete in, with feet work for eight hours a day. When have our young mammals ever been expected to do that? If you really think about it, schooling is relatively new. We didn't expect this from our children. A five-year-old boy to sit from <laughs> nine to... 3.30 or 4, I mean, it's ludicrust. Oh, and you can't run, jump, or skip. Well, that's part of the thing. When we talked earlier, you mentioned you played as a kid up until late at night, and you went to bed, and you were tired, and and you did the same thing the next day, and you had plenty of energy, and, and I did that, too, as a kid. I would get up in the morning when I wasn't going to school, and I would, 7 a.m., I'm outside, and I'm playing all over the place, riding my bicycle, playing war with the boys. I even played doctor with the girls. You yes, what you were supposed to be doing. And I was 
wasn't considered insane. I was considered a smartass, but I wasn't considered insane. What is happening is these teachers would complain, saying, well, little Johnny B here, I think he's got ADDH or, or, or something. Uh, he needs to be checked by the counselor. And so does this girl and this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy. Okay, so that's fine. And then they put him on Prozac. Then the teachers are complaining because he can pay attention to his paper really well, but unfortunately all he does is sit and stare at it now. We have no data whatsoever that suggests that any of these psychotropic drugs have anything to do with increasing grades. What they do do is increase compliance and attention to very boring and mundane activities. So we're getting them into these servile robotic modes, and that's what they need to be, according well, that's the, to... That's part of the training. Yeah, that's according to the doctor. The, the, sorry to interrupt you, but that's according to the will of this government, is they want servile robots. Uh, yeah, we're, and we're, we're getting them. The extrapolation of this problem is larger than most people can even comprehend. You asked me what some of the side effects were, um, and so I got out the little Novartis insert. So I'm going to read directly from there instead of from my research. This is according to the manufacturers of methylphenidate, which is Ritalin. This drug has been found to produce severe withdrawal symptoms, irritability, suicidal thoughts, headaches, Tourette's syndrome, weight loss, disorientation, personality changes, apathy, social isolation, depression, insomnia, increased blood pressure, cardiac arrest, tremors, weakened immune system, growth suppression, including brain growth suppression, agitation, fatigue, accelerated resting pulse rate, hallucinations, drug dependency, anorexia, aggression, liver dysfunction, heptic coma, angina, and death. What, what parent... parent could possibly think that running, jumping, and climbing is worth what I just read. Well, let's get right down to brass tacks. We like to talk about the drug dealers on the street and the drug dealers, you know, in the black clothes and blah, blah, that scare us to death. Look at our number one drug dependency problem today. is not coming from a pusher on the street. It's coming from a physician. And these are paying patients for the rest of their life because once you get addicted to these drugs, and make no mistake about it, these are highly addictive drugs. Ask anyone who's tried to get off of them or look at the insert from any of the drug companies. These are addictive drugs, and you can't deal with life without them. And so you, you're right. You have a paying customer for the rest of their life. Well, the Columbine shooters, it was Lubach. Yeah, we, we don't have any school shooters who weren't pumped full of these drugs. They're so afraid of, of kids doing illicit cocaine or marijuana. And I'm not saying those are good drugs. I'm saying I grew up in the 60s, and we didn't have this kind of shootings going on at school. But as soon as we started pumping our children full of Luvox and Prozac and Ritalin, they're shooting up our schools all over the place. I mean, just, just look at it. It's simply a fact. Well, it's not just here in the United States in that case. There are the shooters in, in Nova Scotia and the shooters in, in, in Ireland and in Australia and New Zealand. There is a common tie to, yes, there is. To, to somebody who seems to be void of empathy and ability to feel and massive shootings. Yes, the Virginia Tech shooter, what was his name, Cho? I saw his mother in an interview and she said, you know, I can't believe this happened because he was taking his meds. He was taking his meds. And I wanted to say, Madam, look on the label. It says right there, can cause violent 
psychoses, suicidal ideation, homicidal ideation. They're taking drugs that can make them kill themselves and kill others. So why is it surprising us as a nation that this is happening? It says it on the insert. But ignorance is bliss, and that's the American public, is they would rather not know something and just have a magic pill to cure their ills. We simply refuse to look at what's going on with the child. We simply go to diagnose them. What is it? I, I can't remember the statistic, but I think it's very close to 90%, maybe it's 94% of all children in foster care in this country are on one or more psychotropic drugs every day. Their environment that they grew up in, just drug them. They'll be quiet. They'll sit still. They'll be sedated. Go ahead and talk about the money trail here. It's just simply unbelievable. Look at all of the institutions that would go belly up if we just said, this is a myth. Think about how long human beings have been on the planet. I mean, it's a long, long time. And of course your ancestors felt depressed. Of course they did. Of course they felt anxious. Of course they did. Of course their children fidgeted and squirmed and didn't sit still. This is a human condition, but this is the very first time in recorded history we've said it's a neurological problem that requires dangerous and addictive drugs. So there's a money trail here. If we just exposed it for the fraud that it is, look who would go belly up, the psychiatrist, the GPs, the pediatricians. Look at what would happen to the United States school system because after 1991, we uh, had the idea that we included mental disorders in the American with Disabilities Act. So for each child in American school systems that has depression, ADHD, anxiety, learning disorder, those schools for every individual labeled with one of those mental disorders gets the exact same money as they do for a child who is blind or deaf or a paraplegic. This is a money-making machine. Most people don't understand either that since it's qualified under the American with Disabilities Act, if you have, like your neighbor, four children with ADHD, depression, anxiety, and a learning disorder, look at the money that's just coming in in the form of a Social Security check. Right. Social Security wasn't set up for that. I found a list of 27 different pharmaceutical companies that were making the majority of psychotropic drugs or generic versions of them yeah. or not just generic versions or synergistic drugs. They put two or three of them together and they claimed oh, something yeah. new. Yep. You know and this is all... a trillion dollar a year industry, right? Yeah. People people think oh billions of dollars. No. Uh -uh. No. Nothing. This is the this is the these are the organizations ladies and gentlemen that are trying to put me out of business and people like me. The Food and Drug Administration is totally 100% controlled and owned by pharmaceutical companies. Absolutely. So people who sell organics or who sell nutritional products were obviously a bane to them and they wish to crush us. And the problem that we have uh, and that I've seen and and uh, Dr. Stolzer has seen is that yes, this is a trillion dollar a year business and, and it, it could be even bigger than that because it controls whole governments. But here's a question that I've always had. How did they convince a whole generation of people, like me and you? We lived in a time when there was no such thing as ADHD. There was no such thing as anxiety disorder. Now, make sure I, I want to make sure I clarify this. Was there children that were, you know, climbing the walls and not... Of course there were. Were there people who were anxious? Of course they were. How did we convince a whole generation of human beings that these were neurologically induced mental diseases that require dangerous and addictive drugs when just the previous generation never took any of them. How did they possibly survive? And people like to say this to me, well, what about suicide? 
since the inception, and look this up, since the inception of psychotropic drugs, suicide rates in the United States of America have tripled. Of course, we've always had suicide, and it's such a sad and terrible thing. But why on God's green earth would you prescribe a drug that increases suicide? It doesn't well, make any sense. It does if you look at it under one precept. We are acceptable collateral damage. The purpose of the public in the United States is to feed the corporations. I say this weekly. We have no government in the United States. We have corporate representatives. Normally, people would look at the actions of politicians and go, what the hell are they doing? Are they crazy? No, not if you look at it as if they are corporate representatives. And what they're doing is for the betterment of the corporations that control them. And again, big pharma is not a lightweight thing. This isn't just a few little companies, ladies and gentlemen. No, no, These it's are, the most powerful entity on the planet. They topple whole regimes. And in America, they don't need to because they got full control. Now, this also stems back to the inception of the public school systems in the early 1900s, the, the uh, bringing of psychiatry to America in the late 1800s, the, the whole change of treating psychological upsets as pathological as opposed to just slightly emotional. Right, of course. Think about adolescence, for example. <laughs> Do you remember it? Time of disequilibrium and hormonal imbalance. Of course, you want to die today and you want to kill somebody tomorrow. These are normal developmental stages. Adolescence isn't fun. It's a roller coaster. And now it is drugged to the hilt. It's interesting they should bring up the United States school system because 98% of all referrals for psychotropic drugs in child and adolescent populations are coming directly from the United States public school system. 98%. Was there a psychiatrist in your school when you were 13? Uh, yeah, she she wore a white outfit, and she was also the doctor, the nurse, uh, the nutritionist. And, yeah, and she would also had this stick with holes in it that she'd whip our butts if we were bad. Uh-huh. And you know what? I don't really believe in whipping butts of children, but I would say, uh, in my professional opinion, it would be a hell of a lot safer than, oops, I better be very careful how I say this. A spanking might be much less detrimental than years and years of methylphenidate because you're not changing the structure of the brain with a spanking. I did want to read you one more thing from the DSM. I just looked down and uh, this is really, when you hear it, you have to laugh. Symptoms of this disease, ADHD, worsen in situations that require sustained attention or mental effort or that lack intrinsic appeal or novelty, such as listening to reading of lengthy materials or working on monotonous and repetitive tasks. And here's my very favorite part. Listen to this good. Signs of this disease may be minimal or absent when the child is receiving frequent rewards for appropriate behavior, is under close supervision, is in a novel or fun setting, is engaged in interesting activities, and is in a one-on-one situation with an So why are we drugging the holy hell out of these children when the DSM itself just told us how to eradicate the disease? Can you imagine how I would have, what would have happened with your listeners or with you if I would have said, guess what? Childhood leukemia disappears when you are receiving appropriate rewards, when you're in a novel setting. That's ludicrous. Leukemia, childhood leukemia can't disappear when you change the behavior of the adults because leukemia is a verifiable and valid disease. This, I call it the 21st century's emperor's new clothes. And we've Mm. got to say the emperor doesn't have clothes on. There is no such thing as this disease. Do these behaviors exist? Yeah. 
once you're diagnosed, I don't think people understand this either. Once you're diagnosed with this, it's there forever. For example, I had a 27-year-old student sitting in my office crying her head off because she wanted to get insurance. She finally got a good job and she was going to get insurance. She said that she had a pre-existing condition so she couldn't be insured. And I said, what pre-existing condition do you have? And she said she was diagnosed with depression when she was 14 years old. She forgot about it. It's pre-existing. And ADHD, when we're getting these three- and four-year-old little boys, that's the rest of their life. And that's why parents should fight tooth and claw to stop them being diagnosed. As the doctor said, once you're diagnosed, you're with it the rest of your life. Not that you're being affected by something in reality, because there was a deathbed confession of the guy that invented or, or discovered ADHD. Are most ADHD cases faked? Well, the syndrome discoverer says yes. Leon Eisenberg, the scientific father of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, or ADHD, died in 2009. But before he passed away, he made a startling confession. The 87-year-old medical researcher said ADHD is a prime example of a fictitious disease. In the United States, one in every 10 male children takes medicine for the disorder, and that number is increasing. Eisenberg made a great deal of wealth living off research into ADHD, and he also won several prizes for his work into the childhood learning disorder. And for more than four decades, the medical researcher was a leader in the field of child psychology. The Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, or DSM, is the standard reference for psychologists in diagnosing mental disorders. A study by psychologist Lisa Cosgrove looked into financial ties between board members who prepare the manual and the pharmaceutical industry. The study carried out in 2006 revealed every single member of the DSM board was receiving money from the drug industry. This set off a firestorm of controversy. Up to one in eight children in school is now said to suffer from some sort of mental disorder. This large population is driving some parents to question the diagnoses. Health experts and those raising children are asking where normal childhood behavior ends and where ADHD begins. Renowned child psychologist Jerome Kagan of Harvard University took part in an interview with the German magazine Der Spiegel, and while talking about the increase in cases, Kagan stated, let's go back 50 years. We have a seven-year-old child who is bored in school and disrupts classes. Back then, he was called lazy. Today, he's said to suffer from ADHD. That's why the numbers have soared. A new book by Richard Saul called ADHD Does Not Exist and a pair of recent articles in the New York Times suggest the disorder is at least misdiagnosed. Most of the children that are taking psychotropic drugs, their parents okayed it. Now, what's worse than that is that the communists in the United States or liberals or Democrats or socialists, whatever word you want to use, they're pushing so that no child needs to tell his parents on psychotropic drugs or getting an abortion or anything like that. They're even pushing for 12-year-olds to never have to talk to their parents about any of this stuff and that the kids can just start taking the drugs on their own at school for their own benefit. Here's a clip from the Citizens Commission on Human Rights, which gets, gets deeper into this. We have swallowed all manner of poisonous certainties fed us by our parents and school teachers. If the race is to be freed from its crippling burden of good and evil, it must be psychiatrists who take the original responsibility. Brock Chisholm's declaration typified the psychiatric onslaught aimed directly at our school system. 
they actually said that the purpose was social control. Not to pass on knowledge, not to give him something so that he can go into the world of war. In 1950, psychiatrists and psychologists from around the world met at the White House to propose a total reorientation of the public school system. The White House Conference on Mental Health in the 1950s was a landmark that served to bolster the idea that schools would serve their communities better in the, as mental health clinics than they would as uh, institutions of learning. In the early 60s, the world of psychiatry started to really go places in this country, little by little. It came into our schools, our educational system. And by 1965, it was written into law. Psychiatrists were given the green light for the wholesale labeling and drugging of school children. A child is labeled ADD or ADHD the minute he can't uh, sit still for a uh, 10, 15 minute period of time, uh, or he talks constantly or ignores the teacher completely, that will get him and earn him an ADD or ADHD label. The labeling of Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, ADHD, went into full swing in 1987. Within one year, 500,000 American children would be diagnosed as ADHD. By 1997, that number had soared to 4.4 million. In response to widespread public alarm at this apparent epidemic of mental disease, the U.S. government-funded National Institutes of Health assembled a panel of prominent doctors and psychiatrists to explain to parents and educators exactly what ADHD was. I would like any member of the panel to describe typical ADHD in terms of symptomatology. Mark, would you like to? There are, I mean, I think the panel has been frank, and, you know, the difficulties here are immense in terms of, of uh, um, these, I mean... <clears throat> Uh, it is hard. It, it, it's very hard to know how to answer this question. There, um, they cannot, you know, even when um, uh, they are as if driven by a motor. There are some good clinical descriptions, um, and I think, you know, we, uh, I, I do, I think the part of the problem is the profession keeps changing the diagnosis. At this time, we do not have a diagnostic test for ADHD. Therefore, the validity of the disorder continues to be a problem. But this shocking admission did not stop school psychiatrists. Two years later, the number of American students diagnosed with ADHD had shot up to 6 million. Today, 20 million children worldwide are labeled with some form of mental disorder, a diagnosis often made in a matter of minutes. We would sit behind um, a two-way mirror um, w along with the parents. We would then look at the child. We would like do small manipulative activities with them to see where their deficit was. It was wrong what we were doing. We were looking at a five-minute glimpse of this child's life and saying, okay, here you go. Here's a little pill. Take it. You'll be fine. Those little pills like Ritalin, Adderall, and Concerta are classified by the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration as highly addictive substances, right along with cocaine, opium, and methamphetamine. When I was on the Ritalin, it made me just feel like totally different, like I wasn't even who I was. I was you know, flipping out, twitching, you know, going crazy. I felt like I was out of it all the time, like I wasn't there, I wasn't human. You're just a zombie, pretty much not... You know, you do what you can just to get by and just don't do anything extra. My mother never teased me, but she thought I really had ADHD and it was wrong. 
and had something wrong with me so that she'd feel bad and feel sorry for me if I died. But then again, I, I thought that she would miss me a lot and I also love her and a little more than I wanted to kill myself. I stopped when I realized that. The abundance of prescription medications created a new income source for kids, selling their meds to their schoolmates. It's called Kitty Cocaine. They take the Ritalin and they just repackage it and they sell it on campus to the kids because it's like speed. I figured like if I was going to do drugs, I might as well make it worth it. And I ended up doing street drugs and then I ended up getting into it really bad. We're looking at um, marijuana and other things as being gateway drugs. Actually, the so-called medications are a greater gateway drug. The Ritalin drugs are backfiring big time because if the child is already disruptive and he takes cocaine, He's going to be a lot more disruptive after he's taken it. It is not going to calm him down. Boom. She got on the drugs and her personality changed, her behaviors changed. It became erratic and dark and violent and uh, it, it was just a nightmare. He kept having adverse reactions, becoming very, very angry. He could not control his behavior. He couldn't control his temper. He was on five different psych meds, Prozac and um, lithium and... Um, he was seven years old, and he was unable to function. He would have rages and then crying and, and all kinds of um, just violent rages, grabbing knives and all of this. The list includes 15-year-old Kip Kinkle withdrawing from Prozac when he shot 22 classmates, killing two after murdering his mother and stepfather at his home in Springfield, Oregon. 18-year-old Jason Hoffman on Effexor and Selexa, and he opened fire at his California high school Wounding 15-year-old Sean Cooper on a mix of antidepressants when he shot students in Idaho. And 17-year-old Eric Harris on Luvox when he and partner Dylan Klebold killed 12 classmates and a teacher in the bloodiest school massacre yet, Columbine. And all of this overshadows the very reason children came to school in the first place, to get an education. Since 1970, the United States has fallen from 9th to 26th place in worldwide academic standing. While during that same period, the number of American school children labeled with learning, behavioral, and mental disorders skyrocketed. And the sales of ADHD drugs has multiplied 118 times. Children don't ask for secondary drugs. Children don't ask to be diagnosed. They don't want to be called crazy. So you ask to ask the classic Roman question, legal question, cui bono, who benefits? The people who make I just have one thing left to say. You parents that have allowed your children, your babies, your loved ones to be put on psychotropic drugs, you should be damn ashamed of yourself. Just because the teacher said, well, this will make little Johnny better. Say he's better. I look him in the eyes, I see a glassy look. He's not really there, it's a life they took. He no longer cries, no longer sings. Hardly ever laughs, don't do much of anything. But he's much more quiet, he's not in the hair. Also, much less alive, but they don't really care. Less in the way is what they really want. They claim they got to cure it, this lies they flaunt. He used to be alive, now he's closer than dead. But they say he's better, he don't fight him for Zed. I tell it like it is, but they don't want to hear it. Just stuff him full of drugs, like they done for you. Speak out against the label and the drug And now, and the ones being played Screaming how about the people they claim This improved to the letter Just look them in the eyes and say Define better
more Never rocks the boat, she keeps her eyes to the floor A task in a tasket, her mind is in a basket No strength to make a stand, cause she knows she'll get her ass kicked But she can pop another pill to make her better still While distance in the dream she will never fulfill Time to kill, take a spill These drugs making death look better to her Maybe she will, her body's still there But the sparkle is gone In a materialistic world, what does this spirit belong? So who's gonna notice there is anything wrong? What fools call the better droning on and on It's not a problem in her, it's a problem to you She's got a problem in life, you played a part in it too Only stupid or oppressive claim these drugs unfettered Those that claim they've improved, yeah right, define better Worth dirt, the people in the nation sold down the river. Enemies salivating while the fools deliver. Teacher schools falling for it, countless sisters, brothers dying for it. Run, mama, run. Your baby's choking, you can stop it. Life draining out of him, I know you know it. You trusted, look what it just did. Big Pharma won't save you now. People screaming, save them how it's too late. Not error, not fate, but hate. Don't you understand? Stand up, be heard. You know we be the last stand. Don't be naive. Nah, don't you believe? Check history. It's no mystery. Learn from the past. People listen. It's our future. It's our children. Command that. 